If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When I was young, I think I was just dumb enough that I think I could beat the guys that were better than me. And now that I'm old, I think I'm just dumb enough that I can still beat those kids that are better than me. <laughs> but uh, I, So there's a little bit of dumb in there that uh, goes on. But what, what separates is like the juices that come alive in your body when you're playing a competitive sport like that at the t- elite level. is You can't reproduce at a club championship. You can't reproduce reproduce on friday golf you can't right. but that's what makes it some guys excel in that environment and some guys excel at the, the other side so like i say I'm, I'm a very average golfer when it comes to a friday golf match with our with our friends out here but if under the gun i i just something rises up that gets my juices going and i i would say i feed off that adrenaline those juices that go and which makes me better and when i'm just playing for fun i don't have them Hi, I'm Charlie Hoffman, PGA Tour professional, better known as the Seagull. Yes! (laughs) Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. Thank you for joining me for Off the Beat. I am your host, Brian Baumgartner. And now, today, I got to record IRL. That's right which is young people talk for in-person, face-to-face. It's been a long time since I've had the opportunity to do that. That was a lot of fun. And uh, I did it with today's guest because, well, he's also my neighbor and a good friend. I am talking about the seagull, Charlie Hoffman, PGA Tour golfer and a PGA Tour board member with what has been going on with golf over the last couple of years? Well, he's an insider, to say the least. 
He's also a fierce champion of the sport, both in the sense of being a winner and an advocate to making it better and to helping golf reach a wider audience. So I'm excited for you to hear the inside scoop on the PGA, his recent major accomplishment on the green, and yes, our very own Friday Golf Group. Landon Donovan is a member of that group as well. So look out. Here he comes, dropping bombs, the seagull, Charlie Hoffman. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning. Left over from the night before. Charlie, how's it going? How's it going? It's good to see you. We're here at our, we're coming to you live from Rancho Santa Fe uh, golf course. How long have you been here? How long have you played here? I've long backtrack story is I grew up getting lessons from the longtime pro Chuck Courtney here. So a long, long time. I grew up in Poway, which is only 15, 20 minutes from here. Right. But been an actual member 10 years ish. We bought the house just prior to my kids going to school here and they're in seventh and fifth grade. So I, I bet you close to 10 years I've been a member. Right. But you've been playing here since you were a kid. I grew up like literally my first instructor, Chuck Courtney, was the pro here. And this is where I drove from Poway and my parents used to drop me off and I got lessons. Was this, so was, would you consider this like your home course when you were no, a kid? They, like you weren't allowed to play. Sort oh, of you like couldn't the, play. Like, you no, just I just practiced. came in and Took a lesson and I'd leave, they kicked me out. I'm I'm a Poway kid. They wouldn't let Poway kid in Ranch Santa Fe. <laughs> right. Well, where where did you play? Like where where was your home course? I, like, I grew up a public public golf course right. rat. Uh, uh, Ranch Bernardo Inn, uh, Oaks North. Or when I got into high school, my parents joined Stone Ridge. Uh, so first club I was a member at wasn't until high school. So grew up playing all different golf courses in Poway. From golf courses that aren't even there. Call Mountain Ranch is gone. Uh, the old. I mean, half of them are, aren't even there any longer. They're housing developments. But uh, right. so I was, a, I was a public course kid. Right. Well, so spoiler alert, you grew up in the uh, the San Diego area. For those of you who don't know, Poway is in the San Diego area. We, I mean, you've, you've traveled everywhere around the globe. Why, why do you call San Diego home? It's the best, it's the best spot in the world. Okay. I, I've seen it all. <laughs> I mean, literally the best spot now. It was great before I started paying taxes. It's not quite as great now <laughs> that I have to uh, dump, no. dump so much money in the taxes. But uh, you know what? Uh, I lived. I went to college in UNLV, which will some sort of probably more of a spoiler. I uh, won a national championship in 98. Stayed out there. I tell the stories. I couldn't afford anything else. I was lucky enough. My grandparents left me some money to go to college. Didn't need it. Got a scholarship. Used that as down payment of first house right out of college. Uh, and then sort of just... Made that my home base playing professional golf. It was easy to travel from, great practice facilities, great place as a single young male also to hang out. And, uh, and then I started having a family and decided it's probably a little bit better to raise a family in San Diego. In San that, Diego. That's what, how we got here. When people ask me as I travel around why San Diego, I said, well, it's only bad if you, if you don't like perfect. <laughs> it's, 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 but, I mean, the true story is like my wife, I'll be on the road for three weeks and I come home and was like, all right, let's go on a vacation. I'm like, this is a vacation. No, I know. <laughs> I just want to be home. Yes. Right. Um, growing up, 
already said you played golf. You took lessons here. Were, were there other sports? Yeah, grew up playing competitive baseball, all-star baseball. Through, okay. Uh, through until high school, golf and baseball were the same time. Grew up playing competitive soccer, traveling soccer uh, in Poway, and then I played soccer through my senior year of high school. So I played two sports in high school, and then uh, then obviously once I got recruited to play golf at UNLV, I obviously focused down to one. Right. Did your parents play golf? The story behind that is my dad didn't play golf. It was a friend's grandpa about three doors down, uh, Bill Lundy. His grandpa's name was Henry Lundy. Uh, invited us to go play golf, for me and him to go play golf with him. We loved it, one, because we both were friends and we could interact. And then uh, my dad started using the, the story of if I wanted to spend any time with my son, I had to go. I had to pick up golf. So he <laughs> went and played golf every once in a while with us on the weekend. And then now he's hooked and probably plays more golf than I do. Oh, really? Yeah, he loves it. I mean, he's a member of our Ranch Bernardo uh, Country Club and plays all the time. So one of the things I like to ask people is when you're a kid, like you just said, you play soccer, you play competitive baseball, you golf. Like at what point for you is there a shift? Like at what point is it like, oh, this is something that I could do? Or was 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 it just I would need to get a scholarship to college, so I'm going to do that? Or w- was there a moment for you? Uh, well, I'd say the, I mean, I played competitive golf, obviously through San Diego junior golf as a young kid. And then at 16, I was lucky enough at the back in the day at the Buick Invitational, they had an amateur qualifier Okay, and two guys initially, I mean, which is unheard of now, if you think about it, they had the local San Diego golf had, or the PGA or whatever you want to call it, had a qualifier for two amateurs, not pros weren't even allowed. So two amateurs played the event. And when I was 16, I qualified. Didn't make the cut, but I'm like, holy crap, I'm I'm in the mix. I like this. I right. I'm warming up next to Jacobs and Stadler, guys I watched on TV just like the kids are doing now. I'm like, got those juices going. I'm like, I like this. Right. Then go to college and I'm 18 freshman year of college. Uh actually not really playing a ton for my college team at UNLV at the time. We were one of the best in the country. And I go and make the cut at the Buick Invitational, now the farmers insurance open. In San Diego. So I'm 18 years old, not even playing on my college team. That's how good our college team was. And my coach is caddying. And I make the cut. I'm like, well, I'm obviously one of the best players in the country. <laughs> the coach the next week goes, oh, you're not even going to travel for us. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> so uh, our team was great. We had a bunch of All-Americans. Bunch Adam of, Scott. Adam Scott was uh, a freshman when I was a senior. But when I was a freshman, Chris Riley, obviously, a Ryder Cupper. Chad Campbell, a Ryder Cupper. Uh, we had we had some great great players that uh, obviously would outclass me at that time and uh, but it, that was it was humbling and like sort of I knew I had it at the same time when I, when I was around eighteen thinking I could compete against the best in the world. Well, before then though, you you win two state championships. Now this is California, Southern California, Southern I mean, California, Southern California. Southern California. Yeah. Yes. What they split it? They did split the Northern California and Southern California. And obviously, it'd be kind of hard to put them both together, but. Who won in Northern California when you won in Southern? If know? I had to guess, it would be a guy like Joel Kreibel. Joel Kreibel sort of dominated. I, he played at Stanford with Tiger, just under Tiger, or just after Tiger. And uh, he was the sort of the guy in my my time that wasn't Tiger Woods that won a lot, a lot of events. Did you play? I just didn't even occur to me. Did you play stuff in California with Tiger when, he, when, like when you would have been a little older? It's funny. He always played up. So when I played junior golf stuff, he was playing amateur, like U.S. amateur stuff okay. or amateur golf. And when I was playing amateur stuff, he was an amateur playing professional golf. So our past didn't cross a ton, even though we're, I think he's one year older than me. 
Okay. Really, growing up, besides he dominated anything and everything he played in. <laughs> right. You go to UNLV, you win a national championship in 1998 on that team. By the time you won the national championship, how much were you playing then? Yeah, I was playing full-time there, okay. but I'll be the first person to tell you, I was probably the four, number four guy on the team. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, it might have been that the coach saw I like to have fun in college. It might have been that I didn't always put all the effort and work in that I maybe could have. Uh, but I, our teams were stacked. We were never out of like the top three in the country when I was the four years I was there. Was, I mean, it was, it, they, I mean, somewhat of a dynasty. We should have won a couple national championships. We only won one. Uh, uh-huh. But it, it, I was never the best player in any, any time. I wasn't the best player in junior golf. I was never the best player in amateur golf. And professional golf, I just sort of succeeded. I sort of put my granted, but I, I still wouldn't say I was the best player ever to play the PGA Tour. But I, was, I mean, I've sort of always been a role player and always knew I could compete and play against guys. So one thing that's interesting to me, and now having having played with you yeah. and and others who are professional, what would you say is the intangible or like? There's a lot of great players, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's a lot of great players at this club that are like plus five plus six yeah. you know but couldn't ever sort of make it beyond being just a recre- recreational yeah. golfer like what do you think that it is is it a mindset is it a what is it that takes you to just to that extra level yeah I, i've said this before when i was young i think i was just dumb enough that i think i could beat the guys that were were better than me, and now that I'm old, I think I'm just dumb enough that I can still beat those kids that are better than me. But uh, I, so there's a little bit of dumb in there that uh, goes on. But what what separates is like the juices that come alive in your body when you're playing a competitive sport like that at the t- elite level is you can't reproduce at a club championship. You can't re- reproduce on Friday golf. You can't. Right. But that's what makes it. Some guys excel in that environment, and some guys excel at the, the other side. So. Like I say, I'm, I'm a very average golfer when it comes to a Friday golf match with our, with our friends out here. But if under the gun, I, I just something rises up that gets my juices going, and I I would say I feed off that adrenaline, those juices that go, and which makes me better. And when I'm just playing for fun, I don't have them. Right. Well, I said a long time ago, I have to play for something. <laughs> I think there has to be something, as you know, for me, there has to be something yes. on the line or. Well, there's no stakes. Yeah, right. It doesn't matter. There's no. And you're dealing in the ultimate stakes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I, I still love. I mean, obviously, the more you gamble for on the golf course, the more it gets my attention. But uh, it, 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 I learned from a young age that gambling was part of golf, and that's just sort of how you got better. And you saw there's some always some sort of breaking point, and you always found that you tried to find that in a person and see what broke them if it was money or how you talked or how fast you played or how slow you played. you always tried to find an edge on somebody. And I think that's, I've always looked for that edge to beat, beat somebody. And that's why I've always been fairly successful doing it. Well, I was going to talk about this later, but it seems like a perfect <laughs> transition. You have a, a nickname. Yes. The seagull. Yes. What does that refer to? The seagull. So it transpired back in Las Vegas. And I, I'm going to probably give Malinger, John Malinger, the okay. credit on this. Okay. And Bill Lundy and I were chipping and, I think we might have been calling Malinger the Seagull, to be honest with you. Okay. And then obviously, you, it might, might have turned on me. And then somehow, Colt Nose got a hold of it. But back to the actual, what does the Seagull mean? It's like, I fly around and shit on, shit on everybody. <laughs> I talk shit about it. I mean, in a, but I do it to your face. I don't, right. I, don't, I don't do it behind your back. Right. So that's where sort of, and Colt, 
obviously couldn't play because uh, he wasn't very good, and he got an announcing gig, and uh, and then he was people started to listen to what he said, and he sort of, I would say I would credit him to making that mainstream the seagull. The comment. seagull, yeah. So it, it's it, I wouldn't say it's his fault or his greatness, uh, but I think it originally came from Malinger. Are you are you proud of that? I embraced it. Okay. I, I, it, it, I don't. I, I don't. I never denied it. Uh, right. So, but I, but I embrace it. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's a bad thing. Right. Does it give you a competitive advantage? Is that what you're doing? Is you are you looking to try to get in someone's head or like on a Tuesday? You're always. I mean, that's when you talk trash to everybody. Right. Is on a Tuesday when you're gambling or have a match, and that's sort of when you're sort of all right. What, what's this guy have? What's this guy not have? And you sort of you know you know. The greats are harder to get in into their head, and the not greats are a little bit easier. So, I try to find something I might store it in the back of my brain, and then bring it out on a, at a time. And uh, so that I think that's the seagull side of it. I'm strategic on that side. I wouldn't say in competition, I'm not going to try to use it on you, but in, in a gambling match, I definitely will. Right. You turned pro just a couple of years out of college. Start on the buy. At the time, the buy.com yeah. tour. This is the corn ferry tour now. Correct. Right. Um. You you only made uh, four of nineteen. Miss cuts. M- missed my first sixteen in a row. If you want to be accurate, sixteen, sixteen in a row. This is actually probably n- not many people know this story. So Zach Johnson and myself somehow became friends. I have no idea how okay. or why we. But he seems I, a nice guy. He's a nice guy. But he missed the first. I want to say twelve cuts in a row. I missed the first sixteen. We roomed half the time together, and we're like, what the heck is going on? We, there's no chance we're going to be any good. I mean, think of those two names. Obviously, Zach's definitely a Hall of Famer. I've been out there for nearly 20 years now, and it's like two guys that couldn't break an egg. So any any kid listening to this, and I'm not telling be a professional golfer or anything, but you can make it after after some struggles. But we were, honestly, we were driving the country. We both had a car, drove the country. We had a lot of weekends off. We practiced a ton together, and uh, we just tried to become better in at that age, I, as I say, I learned way more in those first 16 events of the year I played golf than I've learned since. Learned how to travel. Learned how to deal with the emotion of missing cuts. Learned, just learned so much about myself in a very short period of time. Because I'd always been very successful. Most, most kids playing professional golf have. But, I mean, I excelled in junior golf. I excelled in college golf. And then all of a sudden, you and I get right out of college on, a, I would say, a major tour, the Buy.com tour, the Corn Ferry tour, which... I think only two kids got through all the back when Q school has come back, but back when Q school was the only way to get on tour, only two guys from college that even made it to the buy.com tour. So it's a very small group, but you're thrown in the middle of it. There's no one out helping, helping you out. It's not like this day and age when everybody has an agent doing hotels for you. I mean, I had an agent, but that was just a different time. Right. The internet didn't really exist, and I'm picking up flyers on the way from Denny's on what the cheapest hotel is to stay at. And uh, But it, it was a long road that first year on the Corn Ferry Tour, but Two of us that weren't very successful ended up being successful because I think we learned from our mistakes and what we did wrong and how we could do things better. First of all, that's a great lesson, right? Like take that adversity. It reminds me of when the LA Rams moved from, this is like such a weird reference, but I don't know. This is what popped into my head. When the LA Rams moved from St. Louis to LA and there was this show all or nothing on Amazon prime that, that highlighted their season and their moving and spoiler alert, they were terrible. Yep. Jeff Fisher gets fired in the middle of the year. And anyway, I got brought in to help sell this all or nothing documentary because the Rams were like, yeah, we don't want anything to do with that. And the story became 
how difficult that transition was for everyone, right? Yeah. Because you're moving not just, you know, shoulder pads and helmets and all of your equipment, but your personnel, everyone's trying to find a, a, a place to live. Families. And, and families. Yeah. Where do you live in relation to where you're practicing? And it was a temporary practice facility. Anyway, like how much they struggle. So it makes a ton of sense, right? You're in high school and your parents are taking care of yep. you. I mean, to whatever yes. degree they are. 100%. And then you're going to college and somebody is the taking uni- care of everything. Taking care is of, taking yeah. care of everything. Uh, paying for travel yep. and telling you this is where you're staying, which good, bad, or yep. indifferent, someone's yep. telling you yes. what to do and you don't have to worry about that. But yeah, being out on your own for the first time and traveling around the country has got to be really difficult. I never with with to no me. money. With no money. Literally right. no money. I mean, I'm sure my parents helped me out, and but I, I had I had nothing. Right. I mean, I, and speaking of having nothing, I, then I wasn't making any money because the only way to make money is to make the cut. There were some Monday pro ams I would say that you could I would would fit the hotel bills and stuff like that. But you had a caddy. I mean, I was I was losing losing my my butt that, that first year. But obviously, I learned a lot through those uh, mistakes. But it, it was very very hard, and I think the agents have gotten a lot better of how to get guys navigate through that. But back then it really wasn't, wasn't there. Why did you keep going? You know what? Uh, there was a period of time where I probably didn't want to keep going, but that year that I missed 16 in a row, I gained some momentum at the end of the year and almost got my tour card through tour school. It was actually, I was right on the cusp and I made a bogey or two coming in and end up not getting my full PJ tour card. And then I went back to uh, the buy.com tour, corn Ferry tour. And, uh, I had a decent year, but back then only, I want to say like 55 guys or 60 guys kept their card on that tour. And I want to say I was in mid seventies or something like that. I had to go back to first stage tour school. And then I missed that. I'm like, holy, what the heck is going on? I, I went from fairly stifled. And then next thing, you, have, you have nothing, nothing to go back on. Played some mini tours, played in Europe a little bit, but there was a small point in time when I was playing mini tours. I'm like, if I don't get, if I don't get through this year, I don't want to be that journey pro guy. That's 30 something years old. And playing mini tours and not making any money. So right. uh, I gave myself one more year uh, to do that. And this period of time felt like longer than my 18 or 19 years on tour. It was, it was a weird part. Of, I mean, you're not where you want to be, struggling. And, uh, but looking back, it didn't really take that long for me to get on tour. But those, those years were long years and hard years. And uh, I was able to get my full Pi.com card back or Corn Ferry Tour card back by doing Monday qualifiers and ended up winning the year. Didn't get my tour card that year. And the next year, I played as the full year on that corn ferry tour and was able to get my card through the top i think it was 20 guys and uh haven't looked back since and i don't i think i think it was so hard down there it you don't want to go back there it's like it's, you got so much scar you're like let me stay up here as long as i can and i still right firmly believe that anybody that goes back out to the, to that tour after a couple years on tour they're like how why am i down it's, it's very uh, depressing if if you've tasted the pga tour and think you belong up there right Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. 
if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. It's almost here. The Knicks anniversary sale starts this Thursday, May 9th at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of Nix's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. So mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th for the NYX anniversary sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Don't miss this. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Two thousand four, you win the Permian? Permian Basin Open. Permian Basin Open. That's your first professional Midland, win. Texas. Middle, Midland, Texas. Midland, yeah. Texas? What was that like? It was such a whirlwind year because that was sort of the year I'm like, if I don't do it, and then I was able to win, and it gave me, obviously, some financial ability to play the next few years and do that. It's It, it was awesome. I, obviously, without that win, I, I may not have been here, may not have been playing professional golf. So that was important. Obviously, would love to have got my card that year, but it took me a whole other year to get my card and... uh I was able able to do it, but that that win is as special as pretty much any of them. Yeah, actually, probably close second to the Bob Hope that I won in my first PGA Tour win in '07. But that that's probably the because that you get on tour and I played a whole year on tour and that was my first event in '07. And a uh, good friend that I met through through the ranks of playing celebrity golf tournaments and so George Lopez was hosting it that year, which he okay. didn't host it many years, but it was it was 
actually nice to have someone around that he, we played a practice round and just knew each other. And it was my first year, and I was able to win the event, and he was watching. It was, it was pretty cool, and that sort of gave me the the thought of belonging on the PJ Tour because you really didn't know if you belonged. And I'd only been out there a year, and you're a young kid, and it's like it gave me, I would say, a spot in the fraternity of the PJ Tour. And uh, but was what was really weird that I haven't talked much about is like all of a sudden I'm a young kid and I get thrown in like the Ryder Cup discussion, the president. I'm like. Hold, hold on a second. I just went from trying to keep my job <laughs> right. X amount of months ago. Now I'm throwing it, and I wasn't ready for that either, and just sort of struggled and put some more pressure on myself that I really hadn't thought about. But uh, that that was a, that was a great time, but sort of all of a sudden put added pressure on myself that really wasn't needed. Right through the BMW Championship, you and I have talked about that, which is a current event on the Corn Ferry Tour. I've had the opportunity to go and play with a bunch of those yep. guys, Max Homa. Harry Higgs. I mean, the ability of those guys, again, it's like it's like you're playing on the PGA Tour. I mean, the ability is insane. They may have more ability, to, honestly, like raw talent. Those guys have raw talent. They just don't, don't know how to harness it for the okay. moment and how to, I would say, actually play golf. But like you said on the range and watch those guys hit golf balls. On the Corn Ferry Tour nowadays, they, they probably hit it further and hit it, make a different sound than a lot of the guys on the PGA Tour, but they just haven't sort of figured out how to play PGA Tour golf and navigate themselves around the golf course. But there's tremendous talent down on that tour. I mean, it's been debatable for the last few years where it's the second-best tour in the world, and obviously Europe produces amazing talent on the DP. Their top-end mm -hmm. top talent is top-end, but if you go to the middle of the talent, the Corn Ferry Tour, middle of the talent is could be a PGA Tour star the next year. Yeah. Why do you think that they're... Well, I mean, like you said, some of them are just young and they just have to take the time. It's back to the learning to curve that I just talked about. Right. I mean, it's like they, they, I mean, it's easier, I think, now with internet and agents and all that stuff to be able to travel around and understand where to stay and get caddies. But there's a learning curve for all of us. I mean, it's, right. it's that, I think that's the biggest thing you sort of, what the Corn Ferry Tour does a great job of is teaching guys how to travel, teaching how to score, teaching how to play golf. And uh, once you get on the PJ Tour, you're playing, you're not playing against the best guys your age you're playing the best guys that were the best guys for the last couple generations so right. that i mean it's it's some serious talent you're and it's it, you're thrown right in the mixer what has been your philosophy over your career obviously long career in terms of caddy like what are, what are you what are you looking for what kind of person do you feel helps you the most being out there yeah. week to week i've really only had three caddies uh, my first caddy miguel rivera was was a guy that was trying to play professional golf uh, went to some Monday qualifiers with me on that Corn Ferry Tour of the Year. I was like the last year, I, and he he wouldn't qualify. I would qualify, and then he would caddy for me. He'd make some money to cover some of his expenses right. and be able to go the, the next week. So that next thing you know, I get my tour card. He doesn't play golf anymore, and he comes and caddies for me on the PJ Tour. That lasted nearly ten years. What did he give you? What he I always liked the friend on the bag and the guy that knew golf. So. A friendship, a guy to be able to go to dinner with, a guy to be able to hang out with, and yeah. uh, knew the game of golf. Uh, so that was key. Uh, so, and then the next guy transitions into Brett Waldman, which was uh, one of the better better caddies on tour. Uh, a lot of success. He was a great player. Just done. He played, caddied on tour. Caddied for Camila for a bunch of years. He caddied, I mean, he could go on and on. But uh, his best years were Camila when he was playing good in the FedEx Cup. And uh, then he decided he wanted to go try to play professional golf. So he went went to Q School and he got his Corn Ferry Tour card back. And he played his Corn Ferry Tour and he was he was good. But then he lost his card and then now he doesn't have a job again. Now, then he starts caddying again. That's how he started. He was caddying for David Toms actually before he started caddying for me. And uh, I was just had parted ways with my Miguel and I called him up and uh, he was able to caddy. And he, first week he caddied for me, I won. 
So Jeez. I'm like, all right, that's that's a good start. <laughs> and uh, he caddied for me about four years, but back he fit the mold. He was a friend that I known through through the years of playing the PGA Tour. Uh, Andy knew golf, and then now my current caddy is Andy Barnes, uh, older brother of Ricky Barnes, and he played at U of A. He used to kick my butt in amateur golf. He was very very good golfer, but uh, I would say injuries, back injuries, sort of sidelined his uh, career of playing golf. And he caddied for me a little bit early on in my career. Uh, but then he got the opportunity to go co- be an assistant coach at Arizona. I'm like, he, he's like, what should I do? And I'm like, you can always come back and caddy, but the opportunity to be a coach in, in a city you grew up in or not grew up that you live in now is you can't pass that opportunity up. Right. He went and did that for a few years, liked it, but decided, uh, when he, he wanted to get the head coaching job there, when saw that it wasn't going to get the head coaching job there, he decided to come back and caddy and we sort of joined up forces, uh, four or five years ago. Next thing you know, it's nearly, I've just finished my pretty much my 18th year on tour going my 19th year and uh only been through three guys so the common denominator is you got you had to play golf and you had to be able, i had to be able to get along with you because you're right you, you're with these people more than you are your wife right and literally traveling on planes renting cars together some in early on in career splitting hotel rooms now obviously fortunate enough now I have to split hotel rooms but a lot, a lot of times stay in the same same spot so you're spending a lot of time with these guys you better be able to get along with them right how much are they giving you advice about shot or club selection is so like pedestrian, but I mean, like, are you going to hit a six iron this way or a seven iron that way? Are they talking? Is he I think talking? It's, it's more keep you in check. Okay. So I'll use an example, say three holes earlier, the same direction, hole and wind, and you hit a six iron, we'll say 185 yards. And then the, you got the same shot. It's like 195 and it only, and you get the carry of the bunkers. 190 is like, Dude, you just hit this club one only 185 the whole prior. I don't think you can make it over that bunker. Say I would have pulled six irons. Like, we've got X amount behind the green. I think five irons better play here. It sort of keeps you in check, making sure you make the right decision. Ideally, you you're thinking clearly, and he doesn't have to do a lot. But that's not always the case. You always think you might be able. To, and I think he's just there to state the obvious, right. making sure you don't make a mistake. Obviously, we're we're in control of what club we pull and what shot we hit, but. They, they, there's only people watching every shot is you and your caddy. So they're there to keep you in check and make sure your emotions are in check. And, and when you're acting like a, a prick and to keep you in check. And that's what, that's the hard part of the caddy. And especially being a friend is being able to say something and us acknowledge it when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Right. Your most recent title, the Texas open, you got to a career high world ranking of 20th in the world. Was that a big deal? For you, top 20? You know what? I never thought about world ranking a ton, probably because I wasn't that high up okay. in my career. I would say I love competing. That that event, obviously, again, I was hot and I played well. But playing in majors always got my juices going. Always, That's sort of what every, everybody's career is based off of. I wasn't. I didn't play a ton in my career. I, I played a, a decent amount and I competed a decent amount in them. But it's some, something about the majors getting that, got those juices going a little bit more than the PGA Tour event. But I always formed a schedule around the golf courses I wanted to play, not always based on the best field field qualities. It was just like sort of like what flowed, and, which is different time. It's, if you look back now, it's like maybe I wouldn't have done that. But I never really looked at purse sizes. I never really looked at who was playing to see what events I wanted to play. I sort of navigated around cities I wanted to go to or now birthdays and events that I have during the summer. Right. That, so it, it's going to be a different time with the new schedule in the PGA Tour, what guys – playing what they don't play but uh my whole my whole career i was able to pick and plan strategically on what courses i wanted to play and uh, that might have inhibited my world ranking because 
there's definitely an art to being able to climb up that world ranking uh, board. And some guys have played it perfectly. And I, I just was never into that game of doing that. Well, being on, being on the tour yeah. 18 years, yeah. you did you did okay. <laughs> you managed it okay. Um, as you mentioned before, there is, uh, there is a group. We call it Friday Golf here in Rancho Santa Fe. A big deal this year at the Wyndham Championship in Greensboro, North Carolina, you make an albatross. This, this, my phone went off more within <laughs> a 30 minute period than uh, maybe any time in my life. T- tell me about that and, yeah. and the, the feeling of that and the messages that you must have received from not just us, but everybody else. Yeah, it was, it was almost like winning the golf tournament on the message side, but walk you through the shot was, it, it was an, it's an interesting par five. It's a short, low par five, but there's a cross bunker and then hazard going down the left-hand side. And it was probably a three-wood off the tee would have been the strategic move and be able to hit, a, we'll say, a long iron or a wood to the center of the green and putt over. And I was in the position, it was the last tournament, sort of the year of the FedEx Cup. I really didn't have a ton to lose or gain from it. So my caddy and I are like, well, let's try to feed a driver up there and sort of into this neck, and then you'll have a better angle into the pin and try to make an eagle of some sort. I was able to do that, and then I hit this beautiful cut six iron, probably a little further right than I intended, but it landed just perfectly soft. And I, I saw the gallery hand, the, you couldn't see the ball go in the hole, but the gallery hands went up. They're like, ah, and then like cheering, and then all of a sudden they just went crazy. And I mean, it, it for I would say the Wyndham Championship is an amazing champion, but it's not it's not a major. There's not usually a ton of, but that this hole had a ton of people, a lot of corporate boxes around, and it, it was it was loud around right. around that hole, and uh, it was it was. Obviously, amazing feeling. It's the first first one I've made on the PGA Tour that I recollect. Uh, My stats say it's your first. Yeah, first one. But <laughs> I, I got a funny story. We'll go, go back to reverse, and I don't know why this even came to my head. But my wife, at the time, girlfriend, came out to Boise while I was playing, probably Buy.com Tour back in the day, and she never watched me play golf. Okay. I go. I'm starting on the back nine. I make an albatross on the 14th hole. And then, like four holes later on the par five, I shank it in the water. <laughs> I tell my, I tell my wife, or not, not my wife, girlfriend. I'm like, you won't believe this, but I, you'll probably never see those two shots ever again from me. And and it was a span of 45 minutes. But right. That 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 was the last time I think I had an albatross in competitive uh, golf was at okay. at, at the Vodacom. But I mean, obviously, my phone went crazy just like just like yours because I was on half those group texts. But uh, it's fun to have a support system here that are rooting for me and a bunch of people that have become new friends here in the town. And obviously, you got the old friends and the golfers that all saw it. But the funny and even backstory behind that is that Albatross actually knocked Justin Thomas out <gasps> of the playoffs because I moved up so much and I took points away from him. A lot of people didn't, they didn't really catch media attention, but if you do the math, if I don't finish 12th, and he finishes 12th with one less guy, he gets enough points to get in the FedEx Cup playoffs. But that's oh, that's man. a little little side note. Have you talked to him about this? <laughs> he doesn't talk to me anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have to bring this up. We brought up our our group. There was a discussion the other day. Our our good friend, guest on the podcast here, Landon Donovan, is a 10 handicap. He claimed the other night that um by the end of next year, so 15, 16 months from now, he will be a 1.8. You know what? 
I've gotten a little Landon just the same avenues as you have. Yes. He is, he's the most coachable athlete I've ever been around. I okay. say athlete because he is an athlete. Yes. Like sometimes you tell people things and oh, they, I'm an athlete too. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. They can't do and they can't implement. And his being able to retain the information, be able to implement the information that you're trying to do is literally second to none that anybody, I, now I'm not an instructor that I've tried to help or tried to say things to. And he's, Open for suggestion, which may hurt him in, in down the road. But right now, he's he's a sponge trying to right. retain any information. I mean, I'll tell the story. The first time I played, and he asked me about chipping. He had couldn't couldn't chip, couldn't get it on the green. I gave him a couple tips, and like literally, like three holes later, he was able to do it. I'm like, this is. But he was so raw. He didn't he didn't know what he was doing was wrong, and doing something else was easy because he didn't know what to do to begin with. So, if I had to place a wager on that. As competitive he is, one point eight. It's crazy to me to even think about that. But I've, if he really does oh it, my I, I think he, I think he oh could my do God. it. Think about the guy. Has, You're yeah. doing this because now he's no, he's going to listen and he's going to think that he can do this. Yeah, but think about it. He never even touched a club. I mean, pretty much never touched a club until last ye- a year, and he's a ten now. Yeah, but there's. But a, he knows how to. Ch- you know, he can putt. He knows and, how to chick because of you. He, but he's also <laughs> over like a four footer, like some people shake, and he doesn't give a shit. He just knocks it in the back, like so. All right, I, I see. I know. I I hear you. I, I think he you. can do it. I most bets you go. There's no. There's no way they're going to even come close to that. I think he can do it. It's a long shot, but I think he can do it. All right, <laughs> you're not. You're not buying I'm that. Very skeptical. <laughs> very. Skeptical. I'm sure we can get. To it. To me, a, there's a, 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 there's a huge like a, to be a ten is is huge. Yeah. But then there's a huge jump to like a six. And then to me, the biggest jump of all, and maybe it's because I've been like at the six, to go to like a four or a three, even though that's really close, that's a huge other, because that becomes a, you're shooting in the 70s every time. Yes. Yeah, yes. To, to be a three or four. Yeah. And you guys shoot under, under par regularly to even be close to a single digit or a two that he is. But yeah. Right. Let's, let's be honest. He's got nothing but time, so he could do it. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Full swing, getting a lot of attention. The golf documentary from Netflix, huge success. I read last night and then looked it up again this morning to write it down. 42% of the people who have watched say they're watching more golf now and because we know how the world works and where money is 36% of people say they're spending more time looking up on social media sites. Um, good for the game full swing way better than I anticipated, but obviously I don't know if it could ever come in at a better time for full swing. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Uh, I mean, I'll use, I mean, drive to survive. I never watched a race car race in my life. I started watching drivers to survive. And next thing you know, I mean, literally this morning I, I watched the, rerun of singapore f1 this morning right. i mean why i'm working right. working out at 5 30 in the morning so right it does work i right. started watching f1 because of it the numbers don't lie it's the reason why we did it as the, as a pga tour i don't think was it was it in, was it endorsed by the pga tour yes it was I, endorsed yes okay yeah yeah you had to give them access and ability to do that no as far as i know which is mind-blowing to me no one was paid to do it it was all volunteer volunteering your time and having letting somebody 
I wouldn't say I was approached, but I don't think I'd ever done it. I, I don't want a camera in front of my face. I don't, right. I, I, I think my, my value can only go down if the camera's in front of my face the whole time. So uh, these guys have embraced it. Obviously, the producers did an amazing job to make portray them in the right light. And uh, it was great to have the live and the tour and everything else go against each other and, and just sort of see how it was shaking out and just see personalities of guys that you might not see on TV. I mean, I think Joel Damon was... I mean the whole the whole series was great, and uh, yeah. I, if you haven't watched it, I recommend it. Uh, I don't think anything was that riveting to someone that's inside it, but from the people that I know that don't watch a ton of golf that watch it, all loved it. Well, to your point, just yesterday, actually on Sunday, Sahith Thagala won the event, and there was a ton of media exposure around it because he was so engaging and his yeah. family story in the documentary was so engaged. I mean, I thought Sahith like yeah. the, was like emotional yeah. watching him yeah. in the documentary. And now he becomes someone that maybe people root for hundred percent. He's pound for pound for pound, the loudest gallery in all of golf. He's got his family or families. So, I mean, there's so many people following him around and I bet you even more since the Netflix has come out, but he, He's awesome. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. He's a great young player, and obviously, he's he's a rising star in our sport. And in in Netflix, caught it before before he won, which is even even better. Yeah. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. It's almost here. The Nix Anniversary Sale starts this Thursday, May 9th at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of Nix's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. So mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th for the NYX anniversary sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Don't miss this. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just 
disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For those of you who don't know, Charlie is on the board of the PGA Tour. That kind of makes you like your own boss <laughs> in a weird way. I guess all golfers are their own bosses, but um, uh, what made you want to do that? You know what? I, I'd always voice my opinion to the guys early on in my career. I'd say, and I, I guess I didn't kick myself in the butt and say anything wrong. And I was approached by the, the staff, and do you want to run to be on? It starts with like the player advisory council that sort of reports to the board, the player directors. Did that for a few years, and then the staff's like, uh, I think we're going to nominate you for election to go on on the board. And I actually lost I, once or twice uh, prior before getting on the board. Uh, a lot of seniority. I'd say, I think Davis beat me out one year. and Davis Love? Davis Love beat me uh-huh. out one year. And, uh, and then, then I got on, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed sort of knowing how the machine ticks and talks and works. And that it... it and early on, it, it really wasn't that hard of a gig. I mean, it, it, we were a pretty well-oiled machine and didn't have really right. any competition. Then And then? And then, well, and then COVID hit. And that, I, was, right. I was rolling off. And then I technically was asked to run again, and I won. Uh, so literally during COVID, we're trying to figure out how we start up again. What? How right. do we play golf and entertain during these times with, by obviously trying to stay very, very safe? So... I technically have been on the board for seven straight years. A lot of phone calls, a lot more phone calls as of late. I mean, I was this morning. I was up at who knows how, what time and uh, on a phone call with the tour. But it's it, it's 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 been time consuming, but also fun to be be a part of and know my my voice is valued on the PGA Tour and trying to make the product better for everybody. But COVID was intense, and no one had a playbook for COVID. Right. I mean, so we we were making stuff up on the fly, and how how can we do this? And we and I mean, we were really the four, besides NASCAR, we were the first group of people to be back on TV, back out playing, and uh, and really with no stoppage. To think about that, like it's it it was pretty crazy. Obviously, it I I thought it stunk playing during COVID. Back to those juices, you didn't play in front of anybody, so it, right, you, you never got the juices going. It was it was really really weird uh, during that time. But we were able to put a product out there, obviously, for the fans to watch, and uh, it was probably the biggest time for all of golf was COVID because people started playing again. And then obviously we came back on TV. Our, our views are high. People are playing golf. People are engaging in golf. And it sort of reinvented golf, to be completely honest with you, and especially for the younger generation. And like, holy holy crap, I can go out on the golf course and spend X amount of hours with my friends. My parents won't let me play with my friends at home, but I can go out on the golf course and play with the friends. And so it's it, it, COVID was great for golf. And then 
Then we hit this other time that we're going through right now that we're sure we don't know where what we I see the end of the, the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's it's been a, a dark eighteen months to say the least. Right. I mean, to your point, what golf gave to so many people during that time who were stuck inside, stuck alone, and to be able to go out safely and and do something outdoors was so important. I agree with you. And I it, it sort of it gave everybody, I think, the respect I've always loved about golf is you were, you were able, instead of a lunch meeting or whatever, you could go play golf with your buddies. And everybody, what I love about the game of golf, being able to interact with people for four and a half hours and play with them and be outside and then and, and enjoy someone's company with, without in close proximity and kept everybody safe, which was, which was amazing. Um, you're a, a board member of the PGA Tour. You talk about the dark days of the last 18 months uh, with the Live Tour starting. Live good for golf or bad for golf? Um, I think competition in anything makes the game and your product better. So if you were to say that it has to make make whoever comes out on top is going to be stronger because of it. Do you see a way that any of, and let's just talk about the sort of the bold adjustments that Liv did. Um, two specifically would be the team-based format, and the second would be three rounds, no cuts. Do you think that there is any scenario that that makes its way onto the PGA Tour? Three rounds, no cut, I don't see making it on the PGA Tour. I think the PGA Tour will try to implement if some sort of deal gets done, even if a deal doesn't get done. Maybe try to, try to integrate some team golf, but it, it's hard. I mean, it, it, We've run the models. We've run. It's 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 very very hard to implement because golf is such a traditional game, and traditionally it's you against the golf course. And people have liked. We our product isn't been bad. People have right. always always watched it. No, so right. I, I think it'd be hard to implement. I but I think there could be a spot for it. But I a full schedule, a full tour around team golf. I don't think lives on. But that's we'll right. see. Are you in support of the merger? I think anything to bring the golf world sort of back together would be a good thing. So I, I guess I could expand into that with, I, I really do think the PIF and, and Yasser want the best for the game of golf. And uh, obviously there's some political issues we got to get through uh, and everybody's got to get through. But I think if you can grow the game of golf in Saudi Arabia or the Middle East to main, mainstream for them, I think it's better for the game of golf. If you can grow your global brand globally then it's got to be good for the game of golf you get more people playing the game of golf is good for, it's great for everybody so uh with that analogy i think i think something does get done I'm, I'm hopeful something gets done but it's it's far from even far from done that's for sure really so the, so the idea that there is that the merger has been agreed to there's still a lot of steps oh, there's a ton of steps i mean i think both both sides got to come off their high horse a little bit and go. All right, what's 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 really the end game here? What are we trying to do? And I think I think that's what they're all trying to figure out now. And uh, a lot smarter people in that room. And then they're hopefully present something to us in the near future so we can so we can end it or go on. I mean, I, I think it's everybody's sort of tired of live versus the PGA Tour. All right, let's see where we end up here and uh, hopefully figure it out. Uh, in my mind, uh, my mind's not made up on that's going to be the deal yet since i'll probably be a vote in all the decisions and uh but i from ten thousand feet right now i think it'd probably be best for the game of golf if something does get done yeah it's a weird 
I mean, I don't have to tell. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to tell you. Yeah. It's just such a complicated thing, right? Because as you you mentioned, the political ramifications, you know, as a fan, you just get aggravated because as as you said, it's an individual game. Yeah. And you want all of the best individuals competing against each other. But That's could you integrate an individual aspect and a team aspect? Sort of like what the Liv's trying to do. I, I, I'm not. I'm just. I'm just asking a question. Right. I, I don't know if they can. I don't know if, even if the fans want to engage in that. We talked about content. Could you have a, a team event on back to on the first three days? Say you're there six days. The first three days have some sort of team event, and then the last three days you have an individual event. I don't. Can you integrate that? I don't. I. I. I don't know. I don't know those answers. Uh, it sounds very complex. On, a, on a, we'll say our content's been really good for a lot right. of years. Why are we going to try to screw with it? Uh, is if I step back and look at it, I think traditional stroke play golf has worked. Even ma- even match play match play golf works great in team team events and Ryder Cup and Presidents Cup. But traditionally, the viewership in a match play event on the PGA Tour World Golf event isn't really any good because you can't forecast who's going to be in that last game or last match. Uh, so you could get I'm not, oh, right. So match play really traditionally has not worked in the game of golf, right? But you but people do. I mean, it's funny because that was what I was just about to say. I mean, people do get behind the Presidents Cup yep. and the Ryder Cup, which is a team competition. Yeah, we were playing for countries, not just I know, not, not the high That's high flyers the, or the aces. I mean, it's just it's everybody roots for the countries or the international team. Everybody wants to beat America. That's why I mean it's. That's right. why it goes, and and there's always a match, and it always means something. Like traditional match play, are you like the NCAA tournament? Everybody watches it because it's great competition. No matter who's in the final, it's always going to be great if it's an upset or 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 the uh, high, higher ranking teams. But it's it's just doesn't in my mind doesn't match play doesn't work individually in golf. But at, from the when you're representing your country, it's it's just something different. It's always worked. It works in the Olympics. It works in in. The President's Cup works in the Ryder Cup, but I I don't know. I mean, I guess if this goes, if the team golf lives on for X amount of years, it'll gain some traction and people will right. gain. But how how do you build that? I don't know. There's not. It's just it's very complex. I don't I don't know. I mean, I think that what's good for the game is getting the players back together. That that you get, um, that you're seeing everyone competing at the same venue. I mean, as a fan. Well, we gave the golden ticket to the majors. Let's be honest. Well, yes, <laughs> that was. <laughs> I yes. mean, literally, the golden ticket has gone to the, gone to every major championship. By the yes. way, if if you're not a golf fan, the PGA Tour or no nobody owns the majors besides the majors. Right. The PGA of America owns the PGA Championship. The USGA owns the U.S. Open. Augusta, the Masters own the Masters, and the RNA own the British Open. We get no TV revenue. We get no besides as a player, we get the revenue of the purse, but we get no revenue sharing of any sort in any of those major events the four biggest events that we put on and then you throw the Ryder cup in there we don't even have any part of that we have part of the president's cup but our four or five biggest generating revenue sport or events we don't even get a piece of and think about how strong we are without those so right i, I mean you talk big pictures like could you have an or- organization that all this falls under one umbrella like a fifa or something like that now now you could have something that's strong and sort of help each other out and uh I don't, I don't think that's ever been discussed, really. But it's it's back to getting everybody together. That's that would that would get everybody together. That would get everybody. <laughs> that would get everybody truly together. Yeah. So you said starting the other tour, having competition makes everything stronger. Makes total sense. Do you think 
that if a merger goes through, which it doesn't sound like you're sure that it will, but if, if it happens at some point, can guys be forgiven for leaving? I mean, I don't on the on the player side. I think the majority of it understood why they left. I mean, they right. they, they, they cashed in, and the reality you is, can understand why. Yeah, they yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. can understand why they left. Yeah, definitely. And uh, forgive them. I think the tone that I've heard through the players now, as long as we were rewarded in some way by staying, right, there wouldn't be that big of an issue. So we we got something for staying, they got something for leaving, and now we're all coming back together and everything's stronger. And everything's better. You, I mean, uh, well, everybody, everybody wants to see the best players play against each other. I mean, I, is the PJ Tour stronger with Brooks Kepka and D, DJ and Bryson playing a PJ Tour event? Of course it is. Right. There's not. A, but will the PJ Tour go on without them? Of course it will. Of course it will. <laughs> right. So it's funny. There is a there is an interesting thing, and I'm not going to mention any names. I mean, that's the great thing about golf, right? Is that everybody roots for somebody different, right? But if you're a baseball fan there are teams that you don't like. Yeah. Right now. This is, these are not personal feelings, yep. but this is, this is the genesis of sports. Yep. If you are a fan of the university of Georgia, you, you don't like Florida. Yep. Like, right. There were a lot of guys who left who were considered villains. Yep. Like that. I mean, let's just be clear. Like there were people that you did not root for. And again, you missed that. Yep. Even if you're not rooting for those guys at, at times, you miss that. Yep. Yeah. As a fan. But to play the opposite side, you have probably one of the nicest guys on tour go also, Cam Smith. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean yeah, one exactly. of our biggest. No, I know. Right? But, yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I, agree, I agree with what, yeah. what you're saying then. But I wouldn't say those guys weren't missed, but our ratings haven't changed at all since that's happened. Right. It really actually only gave more power to the, the major championships because there's their venues way more intriguing now that we're all playing together. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, it's great to have them all. It's, it is, and I'm 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 glad to hear your support, though you personally are not interested. But but the support and you being on the board obviously meant you know you had something to do with the fact that full swing happened. You know, being able to get to know guys, tell the story personally, yeah. and tell that story. I mean, it's just great, and the, the drama is is great and brings people in. It's, it, not to interrupt you, but interrupt you. But that's what I think is great about the PGA Tour because there is downtime, and we'll give Jim Nance maybe the best storyteller of all time has time to tell stories in between shots and people coming down right. the stretch. While live, I've watched the content. I'm a fan of golf. That, you don't have that time. There's so much going on. There's, there's no right. it, now the content. And there's I mean, there's a ton of shots going on at the same. But it, you never have any time to tell the story. And I think what people like to do on a weekend is sort of sit there and hear about the guy. And I and I think something in our new format that we're going to with the signature events that we're going to miss, and I've stressed this in board meetings, and I'll say it publicly, is we're going to lose that. We're going to lose that storytelling of mm. Thagala at WM a couple of years ago trying to beat some Brooks, trying to beat somebody big coming down. Right. The you, you lose those storylines by only having the top 50 or 70 in the world playing against each other and that everybody's familiar with, which I think that's what the PJ Tour is all about. So I don't know how this is going to go. I've, I've said this this morning to people. I've said it in the past. I don't think we got our product quite right yet, the new form, formula, but we'll get it right. I promise you that. But what, what we're going to put in front of you is, is going to be a good try, but I think we're going to miss some of that storytelling that has made the PJ Tour so special. And that story part is 
very, very valuable to the PGA Tour. Yeah. Um, you have a foundation. Weird. The name is the Charlie Hoffman <laughs> Foundation. <laughs> Original. Um, but uh, I know you do a ton for kids, not just in San Diego, but also Las Vegas as well. Tell me about why you started that and, and what you guys uh, what you guys have done. To keep it somewhat short, back when early years on tour, Craig Stadler used to do an event for San Diego Junior Golf here in town. He used to raise a bunch of money for San Diego Junior Golf with, with an event the week of the Farmers Invitational, back then, Buick Invitational. And uh, he'd moved on, and they weren't having it anymore. Uh, and it was my first or second year on tour, and they approached me, and I'm like, I'm just trying to keep my job out here. How am I, you want me to raise money for San Diego Junior Golf? I, mean, I, I thought it was an honor, but I'm like, how long can I keep this running? You got a previous Masters champion running right. the event or putting lending his time and effort to the event, and you've got a, a rookie on tour that really has hadn't had a ton of success in any any time. But we did the event; and it was successful. And then we sat back, and my wife and I sat back and go, "Well, how can we do this? Make this better? Let's not just focus on San Diego Junior Golf. Let's get something. Not that I not." indebted to San Diego Junior Golf and who it became and who made me, but let's make a real difference. Let's come up with something that we, we truly do believe in. And uh, someone gave us the, the, the direction of, you've got to be focused in your, in your charity effort or you sort of get, get lost. Yeah. yeah. So our mission statement is uh, children's charities, which is still fairly vague, but at least somewhat focused. So right. San Diego Junior Golf falls under, under that. Then uh, Pro Kids Golf here in San Diego, which is, uh, heavily supported uh, was where sort of were forced, first tee was framed after and very obviously supported by the PGA Tour. And then uh, cystic fibrosis is the one that's near and dear to our heart. Uh, my brother's wife lost two sisters to cystic fibrosis. So it's, I can go on and on about cystic fibrosis, but it's, it's one that's close to us. It, it, since we started X amount of years ago, we have seen the average age of a, a, a child, I'd say from eight, a teenager to late teens, with life expectancy to people in their 40s now, depending on what strand you have, what drugs you can have. But it's it's really changed. It's not it's widely supported by the government. That's why individual funding sort of hopefully get rid of this uh, cystic fibrosis. But it's it's something that we do truly believe in. So that's that's how it started here in San Diego. Then I was living in Las Vegas, went to school there, obviously spent 20 years of my time there. So we started doing an event in San Diego, or sorry, Las Vegas, with uh, coinciding with the Shriners Hospital Open. Mm-hmm. Very, very gratifying. As I as I say, I always grew up dreaming of playing on the PJ Tour, dreaming of being one of the best golfers I ever played, but I never dreamed, and I still pinch myself again, my chills every time I talk about it, is I never dreamed I'd be able to give back and raise money for people that are less fortunate than me. And it's really, I mean, golf is sort of why I'm known, but hopefully my legacy is what I've done and given back to communities in which I've lived in and helped other people that are less fortunate than I am. Um. Well, and that right there is 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 why you're a great guy. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that's, that. That's really what what it's all about. I wish you all the best. I know it's a it's a difficult job. I mean, thank God that someone is willing to do it, <laughs> being on the board uh, of the PGA Tour during this time. But um, I think they're lucky to have a leader like you to help get us through. Yeah, we're all here. We're Trying to obviously, I, I consider myself a very an entertainer, and we all want the best entertainers to be together, performing in the same spot, and uh, hopefully we end up in that that position. But if it's not the best thing for our product, we're not going to end up there. And uh, hopefully we're, we can get to that point for the players, for and everybody else that loves the game of golf and loves 
watching us entertain and uh I'm optimistic that we we get to that point and uh, we put the best product forward and uh, everybody's PGA Tour fans for life. I love it. Charlie, I'll see you Friday. All right, we'll be there. Bring (laughs) money. Cash. Cash money. (laughs) I'll see you soon. Thanks, Ryan. Yep, Charlie, you can guarantee I'm going to take all that money on Friday. You give me enough strokes. I should. Thank you, buddy, for coming on and for sharing your insights and for being so candid. I appreciate that. Listeners, thank you as well. I hope you've been enjoying this string of athletes on the show because next week we have got yet another big name in the world of sports. Come back to find out who. But until next time, have a really good week. Off the Beat is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our senior producer is Diego Tapia. Our producers are Liz Hayes, Hannah Harris, and Emily Carr. Our talent producer is Ryan Papa Zachary, and our intern is Ali Amir Sahid. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by the one and only Creed Bratton. Friends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love comedy movies and Hollywood satire, you're going to want to listen to a brand new podcast called Get It to Dutch. In Get It to Dutch, we play three aspiring screenwriters on a quest to get a script to big-time Hollywood producer Dutch Huxley. Each week on the podcast, we perform a movie script right before your ears. It's like going to a movie with your eyes closed. And we have amazing guest stars, including Tim Robinson, Rob Hubel, Lily Sullivan, Jamie Moyer, and Weird Al Yankovic. Listen to Get It to Dutch, a screenwriter's journey starting May 9th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.